Welcome to Fret Not with me, Rosie Bennett. Fret Not is the podcast that aims to demystify the learning process that we all go through in our lives, work and otherwise. I'll be talking to the champions in our field about the lessons that have most defined their careers and help us to figure out how we can learn from what they've already figured out. Nothing in life is a linear process, so let's get more at ease with the ups and the downs and realize that wherever we are in our journey, we really aren't alone. This podcast is brought to you by Augustine Strings, my string of choice and a company full of my favorite people in the guitar world. You can check them out at augustinestrings.com and listeners of Fretnot get 50% off at checkout on augustinestrings.com for the US listeners and at ivamorantz.co.uk for UK listeners. That's using the code Fretnot50, but I'll put it in the description box as well so you can look at your own pace. In today's episode, I talk to Alan Gogol. I'm actually not sure at all how to say his name. That's how it goes, I guess, with people that you meet online. I first came across him on Instagram. We sort of bonded over being guitarists. And I wanted to invite him on Fret Not because I thought he had a really fresh outlook on what the classical music world is like, even though he himself is an acoustic guitarist. I'll put his website and all of his socials below so that you can check him out and go and listen to his videos. Um, But in the meantime, I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Alan was actually recording from his car because he's on holiday right now. Um, I can only imagine that he's somewhere close to the sea, which is, I think, what all of us here in the Northern Hemisphere are sort of hoping for right now. Some warm weather, some reprieve from the absolute biting cold. The last thing I want to say before we get into this episode is that I hope that wherever you're listening from and whatever your situation is right now in the world, that you are safe and that your loved ones are safe. The world has always been a strange place and it's feeling increasingly stranger as the days go by. There's so much noise around at the moment, especially on social media, and I don't want to add to the chaos. I just hope that wherever this episode reaches you, it reaches you safely and well, and that it can serve as a small distraction with whatever you're dealing with right now. What is a lesson you've learned that's been the most meaningful to you? Yeah, good question. So I had a bit of a meditate on, on this, because there's been a lot of lessons over the years, big and small. But if there's one thing that I've learned and... I learned it again over COVID, you know, 2020, mm-hmm. is be yourself. And I know that sounds cliche, but mm-hmm. I do believe it to be so true and possibly one of, well, definitely one of, if not the most powerful tool for enabling success, you know, of any type. Be yourself and do what you want to do. Don't follow paths that you think you should go down. Just be true to yourself. I think it's kind of tricky, isn't it? That's one of those difficult things. Very difficult to know who you are. You say that you learned it again during COVID. Yeah, so during COVID, with a lot of a lot more downtime, you know, as we all uh, experienced, I saw a lot of people in the the music industry getting a lot of like playlist success by doing like felted piano music, lo-fi music. And people had said, oh, you've got to do lo-fi music. You've got to do piano music. You've got to do like that really ambient background guitar music. And I spent a year doing that and created all this work. And none of it really went anywhere. And I came away just feeling like 
really quite empty and I didn't have the joy that I'd had for so many years, well, my whole life up to that point with playing because I'd always played guitar, played it how I wanted to play it and did what made me happy on the guitar. And for a year, I spent all this effort doing music that um, I thought was, you know, going to get on playlists and, and listening to other people saying that I should do this. And it didn't bring me happiness and it didn't bring me success. Mm-hmm. After that, I went back to just doing my own music and lo and behold, I started to again, well, I instantly found enjoyment again and um, the success started to follow. Mm, it's interesting. I wonder, um, do you think, obviously it's a bit of a tricky question because it had it didn't happen, but do you think that you would have stuck with it if it had been successful? Do you think you were at a period of um, your life where you were sort of after that recognition? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, probably not, I don't think, because at the end of the day, like all the success that was chasing after was Spotify editorial playlists. And while that's great and um, there can be a lot of, you know, a lot of money involved in them, uh, it doesn't actually translate to real fans. Like there's, there's people with a million monthly listeners who have, you know, a couple of hundred followers, if that. I don't know. I've always really enjoyed having a meaningful connection with with people. I'd rather have a, a million fans and a hundred monthly listeners than a million monthly listeners and a hundred fans. I've not really been part of the Spotify game. So maybe if you could explain just a little bit, actually, what's the difference in having, you know, the million listens, but not um, not the followers or not the not the real fans? Yeah, so if you, I kind of see it, you've got to choose your, choose the game you want to play. Do you want to get on Spotify editorial playlists or um, do you want to build, you know, people who, do you want to build a a real fan base? And not saying that you can't do both, uh, but I haven't up to this point seen someone successfully do that. And this is speaking like strictly in the, uh, for the like instrumental genre or genres yeah so with their big you know peaceful piano peaceful guitar millions of people follow those playlists and if you create a sound that fits exactly into that playlist then you know overnight mm-hmm. you can have you know millions of people listen to your to your music but because it is a playlist and it is all background music people listen to the playlist for the overall vibe they don't hone in on one artist or one song. I see, okay. So if you want to make exciting music, happy music, music that, you know, engages people, then you're probably not going to get on those playlists. I see, okay. So the the editorial playlists are things then like cool jazz or coffee music, things like that. Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, yeah. Just all that kind of the background instrumental music. Um, Yeah. Okay, I see. So you spent a year kind of pursuing that. I guess, I mean, it's not unusual to pursue something different or a little bit out of your um, out of your sort of normal zone of influence. Like, I think most people did during COVID. But so, okay, you were sort of, you spent around a year looking for something that maybe was a bit more faceless, but eventually you came back to that idea that actually you were important in the equation of the music that you were making then? 
I mean, part of the reason too, I think, is that writing music for those playlists, like it is definitely a skill. And I think that's why you do have to choose your, your battle. If you want to do that, it's going to take a lot of effort and time. I really missed having the energy. Uh, it actually made me quite sad. Uh, like, don't get me wrong, there's still a, a huge amount of um, skill. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a niche and a very popular niche in its own right. Yeah, it's not why I started playing guitar and was rem reminded again that, yeah, ultimately, if I'm not playing guitar, how I enjoy playing it because it very much is cathartic for me. And um, if I'm spending all my time writing this quite slow, sad, mm -hmm. ambient music, it just, it just wasn't... Um, bringing me any joy. I think it's interesting what you said there. I think there's really something to learn from that, that actually it's a skill in its own right. I think a lot of the time we think um, that we could, oh, just go and do something, sort of, you know, sell your soul, go and write really simple stuff, or go and play really simple music. But to be honest, anything that's online, anything that, that sort of brings success with it, most of the time those things are really an art of their own. And I think that's probably a really good cue for being yourself. Actually, it's quite hard being someone else as well. Yeah. <laughs> you said like this was the second time that you, um, maybe not the second time, but that you had found it again during COVID. Was there a time previously in your sort of guitar journey where you felt like you weren't quite being yourself? Yeah. So when I started playing guitar, when I was a little kid, I just loved playing the guitar and for me that was my you know, expression and it was like I'd found my my voice and the way that I could express myself not not to anyone uh, I'd still be playing just the way I do even if no one was listening but um, yeah a lot of people said oh you have to you have to do covers you have to sing like no one makes no one is successful by just playing the guitar. You just can't do that. And, you know, I even had people in the, you know, when I was doing a lot of um, live gigs back in the day, you know, I had people, you know, say that to me too, who, who I looked up to and saw as successful. They're just like, oh, you just, yeah, you have to sing and you have to do this. Well, actually sing was probably the main one. So I spent a bit of time doing that and I don't regret that time because I, did spend a lot of uh, effort learning like melody writing, I guess, and, and, and that. But ultimately, I found success and happiness when I came back to just playing instrumental acoustic guitar. Uh, and mm -hmm. no one had told me that I could be successful or have, you know, make a living or anything remotely like that by doing that. That's what I loved. And that's what I that's what I ended up doing. Mm. It's actually a big theme on the podcast and has been for, for quite a while, actually. It comes up quite a lot, is this idea of success and how often we're kind of given an idea of what being successful means by other people. Um, I wonder, what does success look like for you? When you say that you realised you could be successful doing this thing, what is the image of that? What does that look like in your life? Yeah, that's a great question and something that we do all have to work out for ourselves you know even now people i'll get comments they're like oh just keep going you'll get there and i'm like well where's there and it's just this mythical place that you know if you're not basically if oh, i had this chat and someone put it well like most people can name probably 10 bands in the world and 
if you're not one of them, if you're not Ed Sheeran or Taylor Swift mm-hmm. or ACDC, it's like, well, well, actually, I even saw a comment thread, like a thread and some comments saying that the Beatles were underrated. So <laughs> um, if you follow that line and like, oh, you'll get there, this mythical there place, uh, that just, you'll never be happy. But yeah, coming back to your question, for me, being successful has always, since I started playing, I just remember thinking, wow, if I could spend as much time as I can playing guitar and make my living doing that, then that will be success for me. Ultimately, spending as much time as I can with the guitar playing is my definition of success. Mm-hmm. Have you always felt like you loved it? Have you ever fell out of love with it? Yeah, that's a curious uh, one that I do get asked. No, I haven't. Mm. It's been the opposite. Like, if anything, it's just the love has intensified, but it's certainly never, never gone anywhere. Yeah, if I don't get to play guitar for a few days, I am probably not the nicest person to be around. So I don't know if that's something to do with it. Just like it's an addiction, I guess. And um, it's not something I've ever experienced and not something I don't think I probably ever will. I feel for people who do experience that, but I, it's not something I have been through myself. Mm. I think it's pretty common, actually to have periods of feeling quite low about it so I can't, Im- I can't even imagine what it must be like to just have always found a lot of love in it I don't know that's that's really um really beautiful <laughs> yeah I guess um I've certainly come up I do reach times where I feel like plateau and I think that's the importance of practice and just experience knowing that you can break through periods of plateauing is just almost like brute forcing it with practice, just keep going. So whenever someone says, oh, I've got writer's block or this or that, it's like, yeah, I know it sucks and it feels like you're not going to break through it, but it's like a, a, I'm not a runner, but it's like the wall. And I don't think, I haven't come across any way to get past that except just keep going. Yeah, I don't know. What about you? When you? Yeah, it's tricky generally I think I used to find it a lot more difficult when I was younger because it wasn't very clear why yeah you know when you haven't got a lot of concerts on or you haven't really got a lot of like professional things happening in your life it's a bit tricky to understand why you plateau I think as you get older and as you get a bit busier in general it's easier to excuse those things sort of explain them away by saying oh yeah but you know I've been really busy recently you know I've been touring or I've been playing a lot you know all sorts of things I guess I tend to sort of try and just really work out where it comes from for me most of the time it's some kind of fear of oh okay um, interesting the end result not being good enough and that makes me plateau Um, so then I sort of try and find other ways around that by I don't know, either finding a new impetus or um, focusing on maybe some different repertoire or focusing on the repertoire that I'm playing in a, yeah, trying to look at it in a different way, I suppose. But sometimes the best remedy if you just don't feel like doing it is to just not do it for a while. You know, There's, there is that some, sometimes, you know, you have this, it kind of reminds me of those um, posts you see online that's like oh if you want to eat chocolate it's really because you 
you know, lacking magnesium or something. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, and sometimes if you want to eat chocolate, the best thing to do to get it out of your, your mind is to just eat the chocolate. And then yeah. you're free from it. So I think sometimes there is a bit of that, you know, if your body and your mind is telling you something, just, you know, listen. And it's, it's yeah. quite all right yeah. to take some time off, actually. I mean, I think it gets um, bad reputation. I think we... We get really worried about taking time off, mm, but sometimes yep. I think it's really useful for you. And definitely if it's helping your mind, it's definitely helping your body too. So many of us end up looking like, you know, Quasimodo at the time. Oh, <laughs> in a hundred, in our yeah. 50s, so. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Uh, there's a terrific book called um, Psycho-Cybernetics or The New Psycho-Cybernetics is the revised mm -hmm. edition and that is all about letting your subconscious work and taking the stress out of decision making and um yeah just feeding your subconscious with information but then not stressing about how the result is going to be mm. uh, and that's actually that's probably another big lesson i've learned over the last couple of years that book really changed the way i approached um probably life in general, I was very much about brute forcing things and just really stressing over decisions and giving it over to your subconscious and just whatever mm. will be, will be, uh, has been very liberating. Yeah, I actually, I read something that maybe pertains to this as well. I read something yesterday and it said, um, tension is who you, you know, who you, yes, tension is who you are when you're trying to be somebody you're not and relaxation is what it feels mm. like to be yourself. I, I like it. It is interesting because when you are trying to feed your subconscious things, it's still you thinking that those things are important. Um, yeah, and then yeah. generally having the feeling that you relax into something. I think that's a good way of going about it because nothing in our field is so serious that it's life or death or that a decision needs to be made today. You know, almost anything can be remedied in this career. Like you just said yourself, you know, you spent a year doing doing one thing, you spent, you know, some years thinking you should be doing another thing. You're still here today, you know, doing fabulously, playing amazingly and, I don't know, making one wrong decision or making a decision that sort of didn't fit you hasn't really held you back at all. In fact, you've learned something from it that probably propelled you even further than you would have been otherwise. Yeah, that's very true. I completely, completely agree with with that. What's the lesson that you would like to impart? Be yourself and do what makes you happy. Mm. And it will be by being through your most authentic self that that's what people will gravitate towards they'll see that you are enjoying what you do and that's an attractive quality mm. it is funny I was actually talking about this a couple of weeks back with um, Tariq Harb on the podcast and he was saying that people just have this uncanny way of connecting with things when they feel sort of authentic when they feel real I mean it does mm. require us I guess to unpick a little bit what authentic means um, when things are spontaneous, mm. maybe, um, when things are sort of of the moments, I think that's actually something that 
different genres and not classical. <laughs> I think something that classical music tends to struggle with is this spontaneity, especially in, in a concert setting because everything's so rehearsed. Mm. And I guess lots of genres have, have this issue as well. But we have this kind of formulaic way of performing and and then it can often feel a little bit lifeless or a little bit dead or a little bit rehearsed. I think it's hard to feel a connection to that. Um, I don't know what it is. People really do respond. People respond very differently with a, a different kind of connection when something feels that it's organic or um, of the moment, mm. which I guess what you're talking about here, kind of, I guess it really does tie into what you were saying before. You know, when you're doing something that even you don't really believe in, people sort of see right through it. Um, maybe even without yeah. being able to articulate that. I reckon if you had if you had someone up on a stage and they were tying their shoes, but they were doing it with such focus and intensity and enjoyment that they were just totally into the moment and tying their shoes, I bet everyone else there would be into them tying their shoes mm. in the moment. And I actually, I played around... I didn't tie my shoes on stage, but one of the last concerts I did, I thought, right, I'm just going to, because I, I don't know if you experienced this, but when the adrenaline kicks in, um, I've just got to the end of a lot of performances and I'm like, that was great, but it just went way too quickly. Like I didn't, I guess I just wasn't like in mm. the moment. One of the last concerts I did, I really tried to be like, right, I'm just going to enjoy this and just really try and think about you know, the notes, what well, every note and just really be, just really enjoy the performance. I actually had someone come up to me afterwards or a few people and they were like, wow, that like you were so into it. It looked like you were just really loving it. And aesthetically, even musically, I don't, I didn't actually notice a difference between that and any other concert mm. I would do, but people picked up that like mentally I was in a different place. Mm. I was enjoying it and, and making a real effort to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was it. I was making the effort to really enjoy it and be in the moment. Mm. That's definitely something that translates to an audience. The audience really feels like they're there with you rather than, you know, you're just uh, sort of gone, distracted, missing. <laughs> That's a great way. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. I haven't had that just a few weeks ago. And, um, I was like, right, I'm going to just start off with this big flurry of harmonics and it's going to be sweet and practiced it. And it was a piece that I've, you know, mm -hmm. been playing for years, but I'd never done it on stage. And just from the first note, not quite working, I'm like, oh no, what have I done? Yeah. It was a nice reminder. The stage is not for practice. Even in those moments, you're like, oh man, this is just not, this is not working. Just to come back and be like, well, is anyone going to die? like no it's just it's just music like it's it's really not as serious as we're as mm. we're taking it i definitely think that classical musicians can benefit from that particular phrase you know we don't have to take it so seriously <laughs> it's definitely one of the things that we have a major problem with in our industry i must admit it's not a world i'm terribly familiar with but um the uh i don't know the whole yeah no i won't even i'll probably offend too many we'll get into controversial territory me commenting on a world I know nothing about. So, it's very easy. Um, 
Yes. <laughs> no, don't worry. It's very easy to be controversial in, in our worlds. Yeah, sometimes I've seen things and I'm like, that just, where's the fun? Like, are you having fun if you're like worried about your breath coming through the microphone and breathing at certain times and I don't know. It just, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's funny talking about it with you because you exist a little bit outside of the classical music world, I'm going to say. Um, and I think classical music really suffers from the situation that it's enjoyed in. You know, we've kind of built up this etiquette, this little formula yep. of playing on stages where you have the audience in the dark and you're on these bright lights. It's kind of an interrogation situation. You've got audiences who have to stay silent. You've got audiences who are not allowed to move, not allowed to take part. Yeah. And so it makes the situation feel quite stressful and quite serious in itself. And you've got audiences who are used to listening Musical to... Musical chess, maybe, or something. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of intellectual engagement, things that engage them mm. in, a, in a more intellectual way, yep. um, which can make it very stressful. It brings a stress into the situation before you've even started playing. Yep. I think acoustic bridges that gap a little bit better because the music can be enjoyed in a much more relaxed situation. Um, on people's own terms you can listen to it while you're talking mm. or you can listen to it you know very seriously you can study it but you can yep. also just take part and enjoy it so I think there are yeah. some different aspects in that that perhaps make the world's very different but it's interesting that that is what comes across that you know when you're talking about classical music those are the things that you're thinking you know um, mm. and I think that you're spot on I love mm. the idea of what classical music looks like from the outside because it, it really does have a lot of um <laughs> there's a lot of value in seeing what it appears as because most often I think oh, it's yeah. quite it's quite true to <laughs> to how it feels also <laughs> there's not a secret yeah. subsection uh -huh. of us who are just really really enjoying that <laughs> I think there's a lot of tension going yeah. both ways audience <laughs> and performer there's a saying like life is stress kind of thing like I can't quite remember how it goes but it was something along those lines like tension is like life mm. um oh well just in the concert setting the the people who cough are just that kills me yeah people cough like they've oh. never <laughs> ever <laughs> coughed before in their lives in concerts oh. it's unbelievable it's, yeah <laughs> even that in itself you know we we're so worried about making noise so the big thing in classical concerts is don't mm. cough don't talk don't breathe yep. and that's so restrictive as well there's something almost um religious about it in the way that we go about performing mm. and enjoying music yeah classical music it is a very religious yeah i think that that's a nice nice term mm. it does seem like a very religious experience like it's the high altar or yeah. yeah, it's weird. And then what's kind of interesting, I think, talking with a lot of my colleagues as well, is that always the performances that are the most transcendent or the ones that stay with you the longest seem to always be these moments of letting go of of all of that. I don't know. It's kind of fascinating. No, I can re very much appreciate it. So no, no offence intended to any classical guitarists oh, no. out there. It's a world I know little of but um i do definitely respect i love hard work and i know that you all put in a lot of hard work and um are diamonds under that pressure mm -hmm. that's a nice way of putting it's it. lovely uh yeah lovely chatting to you about all this i haven't 
spoken to someone about this for a little while. It's always nice to, yeah, get into the the ideas and and all that. Yeah, it's super nice chatting about it. It's interesting because you've got this sort of outside perspective of what it looks like, the classical world, from uh, from the outside a little bit more, which I think is really nice. It's really valuable. How's the saying go? Like the worst gig that a guitarist could play or can play, like is to a room full of guitarists. Like oh, that's yeah, for sure. <laughs> the audience we don't want. And yeah, so I'm still very much the guitarist audience. Love to chat to someone, I'm sure you have, like to, to someone who doesn't play an instrument, ideally someone who just appreciates music and really getting mm. their their feel because I think that they're the most valuable you know people out there I don't play guitar for other guitarists yeah it's it's for the people who just enjoy music that's where it's Mm -hmm. at I think for me at least yeah no for sure I actually think for quite a lot of people I think it's uh yeah it's really funny you definitely hear that a lot actually but it's true because I suppose what happens is that anytime you're in an audience you're not there functioning as a guitarist anymore right? You have like a guitarist brain. Mm, yeah. Um, but I think most of the people who manage to leave behind the idea of what they want themselves to be in that situation yeah. um, can end up actually being an audience member. <laughs> Whereas, you know, because yeah. it can be, I think it can be tricky. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I heard a really, a really nice saying, and I don't know if it translates a hundred percent to this, but, um, like you'll never be criticized by someone doing more than you. I feel like that kind of goes with not saying that a guitarist going into a concert is going to be doing more than the performer, but maybe it comes back to just if you're comfortable in your own skin, I guess, or with your own ability, just can leave leave your criticisms at the door, switch into enjoyment mode, I guess. Mm. I don't know, something, something along those lines. <laughs> so I know I made that switch. Yeah, I just know I made probably made that switch to enjoy. Like when I see music, just totally switch off, just enjoy it for what it is and whatever someone's doing, if they're enjoying it, hey, that's that's awesome. Mm. It's that problem with growth mindset. It's a really competitive industry, so it's kind of difficult. Oh, terribly so. Yeah, sometimes if I haven't had enough sleep and I'm doing a live stream, uh, I, I mean, I can spot guitarists generally a mile away certainly if they're the jealous type and yeah sometimes I go on quite extended rants on (laughs) the guitar community at large certainly not everyone Uh, I feel like people who (laughs) take it uh, who are doing it professionally definitely don't fall into the larger pool of jealous guitarists but there's certainly a lot yeah I feel like because guitar has quite a lot of disciples it sometimes feels like you need to be a little bit catty to get rid of some people because guitar is such a popular instrument. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think people struggle with that. The most popular, I think, is it? I don't know. It's difficult to say. I mean, I think at least here in schools, it's very popular. Even classical is very popular. I mm. think, I don't know, maybe I'm going to be um, misremembering this information and then spreading it. But um, I remember oh, somebody right. telling me that there's... Um, one guitar for every seven humans on earth um, oh wow which is a lot you know yeah we're definitely an industry that's full of a lot of people yeah it's great as well you know it's oh yeah no, it's 100%. kind of it's always uh it's always a double isn't it right <laughs> i've got a random fact on the a couple of nights ago there's there's a few flies around here at the mm-hmm. the shack where i'm staying at the moment yeah and 
we uh, took guesses on how many flies per person there are. And I don't care, uh, I don't know if you care to take a stab at how many, how many flies do you think there are in the world, per, like per person? Uh, 10? <laughs> 17 million. 17 million? What? There's estimates that there are 17 million flies per person. Yeah, there you go. Hopefully they don't like. Yeah, hopefully they don't (laughs) unionize or. And terrifying to imagine how somebody must have um, found that fact out. Yeah, I can't imagine how many insects in general there would be. Maybe that person was just specifically being followed by a lot of flies. So this is a wild overestimate. (laughs) I don't feel like I see that many flies. (laughs) Maybe they're just all Yeah, all I know. You. <laughs> or it is just a know. gross... Yeah. <laughs> could be many more than I, that. I don't know. It could yeah, be. Maybe I hope. In that case, ignorance is bliss. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm going to ask you my third question. Um, what is yeah, the yeah, lesson please. that you're currently working on? Actually, let me just... I'm just going to get a bit of fresh air in the car here. And a bunch of flies. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's not... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 17 million of them. Yes. Um, a lesson I'm currently working on, I'm trying to be more in the moment I play. Mm. Uh, in the, I'm trying to be more present and I'm trying to regain focus, actually. I really believe that like social media is great. You know, I owe a lot to it, but mm-hmm. I do find that my focus over the last couple of years has become very fractured and I'm really trying to relearn how to focus on a task for more than two minutes. Uh, So I remember, you know, being able to sit down with the guitar and just focus on one thing for, you know, hours. And I just can't do that anymore. Mm. I need screens around me. I need my phone. I need my laptop. Uh, So the lesson I'm, yeah, actually the lesson I'm working on now is really trying to relearn how to focus, you know, with intent and with purpose. Because, you know, as we know, an hour of focused practice is worth a whole day of just noodling and not really doing much. So that's what I'm working on at the moment, relearning how to focus. Altamira is the leading brand of handcrafted traditional guitars, specialising in classical nylon string, historical replica, and gypsy jazz guitars. Altamira fosters music education and performance through its foundation that hosts and sponsors international symposiums and competitions in Asia, Europe, North America, and Australia. I've recently been lucky enough to be sent an M3 model guitar from Altamira and it is one of the cleanest, easiest to play instruments that I've ever had the chance to have in my collection. They're beautiful instruments, handcrafted with love and you can tell. These instruments are wonderful, they have models right down from the beginner level, right up until concert instruments that you would be proud to put your name to. You can check them out at altamiraguitars.com and again I'll put that link in the description box so that you can check it out at your own pace. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fret Not, especially if you're still listening at this point. 
And if you feel so inclined, you can always leave a rating, a review, you can subscribe. And if you've got any feedback at all, you can always send an email to either me, which you can reach through the contact button on my Instagram page, which is Rosie Bennett Guitar, on the Fret Not Instagram, which is Fret Not Pod, or um, at the Fret Not Pod Gmail account, which is fretnotpod at gmail.com. See you next week for another episode of Fret Not.